This is Chargers Unleashed Podcast. Here are your hosts, Dan Wolfenstein and Jake Hefner. Welcome to a special edition of Chargers Unleashed. Now, whatever catchphrase you can think of a famous team-up groups, anything historically, whether we're talking cartoons, movies, all wings report in, Autobots, let's roll out. Avengers Assemble, let's go Voltron Force. It's morphin' time. This is the crossover. This, These are essentially the Charger Jedi Council that you see before you. This is the Infinity Stones of the Chargers universe. Chargers Unleashed, Locked on Chargers, Guilty as Charged, the director and the Chargers Chat Podcast, all represented here. Gentlemen, how are we doing? Man, Chargers Unleashed special episode. Stephen Haglin, the director, Kyle Duggan, Dan Wade, David Drogemeyer, all guests on the show. Let's do a quick around the horn. Stephen, fellow LAFB friend and host of Guilty as Charged podcast. How you doing, my friend? I'm doing great. Uh, happy to be here talking ball with uh, the Jedi Council. I think that's what we should roll with, <laughs> considering the LB1 series and... Uh, how that's kind of in vogue. I was just at Disneyland yesterday, so Ooh. I'm rolling with that. So uh, happy to be here. Let's go. Dan Wade, David Drogemeyer from Locked On Chargers, friends of the show. Gentlemen, how are we? Well, I was going to, I mean, been a lot of great references as far as team us. I thought we were just the seven golden girls, but I mean, the rest of them are pretty good, too. I'm happy seven to be dwarfs. here. Happy seven. to bring David along with me. What's up, David? Oh, you're bringing me along. Is that, is that what's happening here? <laughs> I thought it was just uh, one of us. But yeah, yeah of course. I mean, I don't know why they uh, brought you in, but no, I'm just kidding. Uh, man, it, it's fantastic to be here, guys, sure. with, with all of you know these fantastic content creators that you know cover the Chargers. And gentlemen, I mean, this is probably the most excited I've ever been covering the Chargers doing this seven years. Like this team legitimately looks for real, and I can't wait to talk about it. Let's go. All right. The director, fresh off a hype video that is second to none. Gold. Director, props to you. Congratulations Thank you, on sir. the hype video. How are you? I'm doing a Kia ora. Bolt Council. Can we say that today? Kia ora. How's everybody doing? Next time, what an opener by Jake. Next time, I'm, maybe I'll just suit up in the Stormtrooper before we get on. Uh, very exciting stuff, man. Look at all these uh, handsome mugs, man. It's going to be a good time. Such a good company. I think we're going to have some fun discussions today, guys. Thank you for having me on here, Dan. Of course. And last but not least, from Charger Chat Podcast, Kyle Duggan. Welcome. Yeah. How are you, my friend? I'm good. I, I'm excited to be on here and talk to you guys. I, I'm getting a little bit more of a Brady Bunch feel with all the squares <laughs> on here. Yeah. Is that go. kind of vibe? Um, but yeah, I'm, I mean, yeah. Like like David said, this is this is the best. This is Leading up to the season is unlike anything I've ever experienced. There's always that hype behind the Chargers. It seems like us as a fans, as a fan base, we want that. But I think there's some there's some more legs to it this year. So, so yeah, Kyle, if I'm we were excited. the Brady Bunch, wouldn't you be Alice then? Because isn't Alice always occupied? <laughs> I'll take the it. Okay. Hey, we, we all know who's running the show in most families. I'm, I'm okay with that. <laughs> smart man, smart man. All right, so we got a ton of good stuff to get into. We got a round table with all these guys. I figured it might be a good time to kind of go through some of the hot button topics go through some key, whether it's acquisitions, some late-breaking news. Obviously, we'll get into some like player expectations. We'll get into some discussions around Justin Herbert, maybe who will be the who or what will be the biggest test this upcoming season. Uh, but let's just kind of start fresh off the clip, guys. Today, we saw some possible lightning bolt eye emojis that turned into cry emojis real quick. 
it looks like Ode Abushi is not going to be a Los Angeles Charger. Steven, I know you've had a lot of discussions, lots of talks about kind of the right tackle position and where that might be changing or affecting things with him no longer in the running, it seems, to be a Los Angeles Charger. How do you foresee right tackle or offensive line playing out? Yeah, I mean, obviously, after the uh, Chargers had drafted Jamari Sawyer and Zion Johnson in the draft, you kind of figured maybe these, there's not necessarily a spot for Ode Abuji unless somebody else gets injured uh, in training camp. And I guess that, you know, theoretically could still happen. Obviously, you're not rooting for anything uh, of that nature to happen at this point. But um, it, it sucks, man. I think Ode was really on pace for a career season last year. Um, you know, I felt like his first four games and the way that he was playing was at the very least on par with Matt Filer. And, you know, we all hold Matt Filer in such high regard. And, you know, Ode bringing that value, bringing that tenacity, I think really just, uh, you know, changed the the team and the, the makeup of that offensive line. So we'll see, you know, the, the team is all aboard the Trey Pipkin, Storm Norton competition train. I, I could not disagree with that approach more. Um, but I think, you know, the Chargers uh, at the other four spots are set up very, very nicely. It's just they have that one weak spot, um, you know, at right tackle. And Daniel Popper has kind of said, if you just have the one weak spot, you know, you can kind of divert all your attention to helping that one weak spot. I'm just of the belief that you don't have to settle for that kind of approach. And I think there are better options out there even still. You know, there's like a Darrell Williams kind of player out there. Kick Matt Filer out there. And you start to the two rookies or Brendan Hymas at guard. Um but we'll see. I, you know, I, I think I'm kind of taking the wait and see approach at this point. Um, but yeah, I think not having no day definitely hurts. Dan, uh, if it was up to you, if you are Brandon Staley, who is our right tackle starting week one? Matt Filer. I mean, I think that if it was up to me, that's what it would be for sure. I get the continuity thing. And I think you look back to last year, right? I mean, you could argue going into last year, theoretically, they didn't have a single hole on their offensive line, right? Because you had Brian Bulaga, theoretically, of course, right? You had O'Day, you had Matt Filer, Corey Lindsley, Rashawn Slater. But look how quickly that fell apart, right? And then just like that, you're missing two spots on that starting offensive line. So I do think the depth that they brought in does help, especially on the interior, because we know how bone dry that cabinet was. But I still think, I mean, the best option is Matt Filer. I think the only thing you can really hope for, because... Yeah, I mean, you hope Trey Pipkins wins it, right? And can go out there and be great. And you can see what he did over a two-game sample size last year over an entire season. I think the problem that most Charger fans are having with this is having all of your eggs in that basket. Having yeah. all of your eggs in the Brian Bulaga basket last year and knowing what was behind him, even given his injury history, right? So I think you just have to hope that the red button is still out in Brandon Staley's office, that if they have to press it, they're willing to if they see how that Trey Pipkins, Storm Norton situation is unfolding. Director, if it's not going to be Matt Filer and it's not someone else who's not on this team yet, who is it going to be for you if it's not Matt yeah. Filer? You know, it's kind of crazy because I still do think that there is a reality where Trey Pipkins could be sure. the guy, right? And I feel like I'm willing to see how that plays out. But at the same time, you know, when uh, uh, Dan said – uh, Matt Filer, I think all of us grinned, you know, and nodded our heads. I think it's the, kind of the consensus opinion. Like, Matt Filer's got the experience. Dude was a stud in Pittsburgh when playing the position. I see no reason why not to do that. You could technically start testing things out with Jamari Sawyer, uh, maybe one of these other guards slash tackles. 
But at the same time, you know, it just it seems really obvious <laughs> to me to take the guy that's got the experience, that's put up uh, the good production at the position. So that's kind of where I'm sitting at right now. If we decide not to get somebody uh, uh, via free agency or something like that. Gotcha. Now, moving on to kind of, I think now training camp, we got preseason, it's about to get full swing, about to see camp battles galore. Everyone usually has a has a player that comes out of nowhere, right? You have Austin Eckler, who made, made a name for himself. Uh, you've got Austin Prohl, who has put a bunch of stuff out there before he got cut. Then surprises like a, Jermaine, <laughs> like, like a Tyron Johnson, who everybody was loving as wide receiver three, he gets cut. So we'll kind of go around the horn. I'll start with you, Kyle. Like in terms of preseason training camp, what are some either like predictions for you or maybe a surprise player that you think might kind of come out of the woodwork to kind of surprise some of the Chargers fans? Yeah, I, I have been stuck on this. It's not necessarily an undrafted guy, but Horvath, Alex Horvath, <laughs> the fullback. I just, I, I look at our team and how built we are. I don't know if an undrafted guy is going to come in and have that immediate impact at a huge impact position, like a running back or a wide receiver or a right tackle. Sure. But I think an undrafted guy or a later in the round drafted guy like Horvath could come in and have immediate impact on special teams. Um, it's something that we all know has been a big weakness for the Chargers um, and something that that needs to be addressed. Um, also adding depth, obviously. I think that's a fun competition too with Gabe, Neighbors, and Horvath back there battling it out. Uh, and you don't you don't you don't have the Steven Anderson to be able to step in and take over when Gabe is not able to to make it happen. So I'm I'm really intrigued by that pickup to see. I think he could have um, big time impact on the Chargers this this season immediately. Jake, diamond in the rough, diamond in the rough. Who would be your guy this season for offseason? Either prediction of someone who makes a team or someone who's going to light it up that maybe people aren't expecting. You know, I'm really intrigued, obviously, from from the JT Woods selection, because I think that that's just going to make this defense so multiple. You've heard Daniel Jeremiah talk about it so many times. You've heard, uh, obviously, Daniel Popper talk about it. What he can bring to the table, even early on in his career, the reason that they went out and got him is because this is your chess piece to now help Derwin James move around the defense, make him more free, get him back to the 2018 form that we saw him where he was just moving all around the field. So I think you, when you pair him and the formations with him and Nas back there, I'm really intrigued to see what the what that is going to look like. Obviously, the ball hawk skills have been on uh, prime display during his time at Baylor, and uh, yeah, I think that that's that's one to really watch out for. Mister Drogemeyer, what say you? Yeah, I'm going to go with the offensive line just because we have a continued focus on improving the offensive line since Brandon Staley took over as head coach of the Chargers. I mean, they invested premium. Hallelujah capital not only draft capital but also spent money in free agency to upgrade the offensive line and offensive line that was one of the worst in the league for years and it's just terrible now they have actually put premium resources into it you see the difference it's tangible now you can really look at this offensive line and see four out of the five guys that you're going to throw out there are average or above average players in this league and not only that but getting jamari sawyer in the sixth round just absolutely incredible value. I mean, one of my favorite guys, a guy I thought was going to go in the third or fourth round, the Chargers got in the sixth round, a guy I feel like if they ask him to, he can go in and play guard right now. Uh, I just love the value there. I mean, just the continued effort on improving the offensive line. It's just absolutely beautiful music to my ears. 
And Steven avoiding Adams. a Senio Calamete situation, too, right? I mean, I think that's Amen. the one thing we can all agree on. I mean, Sawyer, high miss, will clap. As long as it stops Senio Calamete from coming on the field. Steven Hagler about having aneurysm. I know. I, I see that. <laughs> I yeah, people, in that way. people have often talked about, like, Trent Scott and, like, all this is all, like, worst offensive lineman they've ever seen. I have never, <laughs> ever seen a worse offensive line performance than Senio Calamete last year against the Broncos. He shall now be known as he who shall not be named. He who shall not be go. coming back. Period. Did he? Did he yeah. take the throne from Travis Benjamin? Who? <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, okay. that's like years versus one game, but it's close. Which is close. <laughs> yeah. Pretty close. Steven, sorry. Let's flip it a little bit. So, if there is one guy who you think is on the hot seat, who you could see actually missing the cut, that might be an unexpected cut this training camp or before we get to the fifty-three. Who would be your guy? Unexpected cut. You know, like Kyle, I think that most of the roster spots I feel like are, are kind of spoken for at this point. Um, in terms of an unexpected cut, like I think Alohi Gilman could have a really tough time making this roster. Great call. Um, you know, Jake mentioned JT Woods. You know, if you would have asked me somebody who I think could kind of come in and light it up at training camp, I probably would have said Mark Webb. Mm-hmm. And he's somebody who lit up training camp last year. And obviously he's recovering from knee surgery right now. But if he becomes healthy and he's rolling in training camp, then really where where are you finding a spot for Alohi Gilman? Because you have six corners, you have, you know, the other three safeties. So if you're choosing between Mark Webb and Alohi Gilman, I think you probably have to choose Mark Webb if he's healthy. So I think uh, a lot of people would be kind of surprised at them cutting a, a recent draft pick like Alohi. So uh, I, I think he would be my choice there. I've got that. an interesting one, if I can. Yes. I saw you he just the asked you. He just asked you who you wanted, and you talked about the offensive line. Talk about your surprise cut. Yes, thank you. I'll, I'll make it brief, okay? Jerry I'm happy to be the one to hold you accountable. Jerry okay. Tillery is the surprise cut here. I think he's definitely at the Missing end. the cut entirely. Yeah. Not, yeah. Not on the roster. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think he's gonna, he, might, he has a very, very serious chance of getting cut this offseason because they now have legitimate competition at the same position that he is going to play. Morgan Fox is brought in to do the role that Jerry Tillery has been doing for this Chargers defense the last couple of seasons. It's not going to just be handed to him. He's not going to be a guy that's just going to be sitting out of preseason games anymore. He's going to have to absolutely earn his spot, and I think there's a legitimate chance that he could not make it. Now, you bring up an interesting point about Alohi Gilman, Steve. I, and you think about it, like he arguably is the least athletic safety on this team, which he actually was pretty reliable last year when he was brought out there. But looking yeah. at Mark Webb now, JT Wood, I mean, there's a Zero Adderley. There's a bunch of dudes that when you're looking for athletes, you know, the Raz score, everybody talks about, like, <laughs> I think he's the worst of them. Uh, director, surprise cut. It can't be Jerry Tillery. It can't be Alohi <laughs> Gilman. Man, you guys throwing me in the tough spot yet again. I don't like talking about cutting people. I don't like talking cutting my chargers. But at the same time, you know, I was going to bring up Jerry Tillery as well. I think a lot of people feel that he's got some sort of immunity because of the first round pick status. I just, I don't know, man. I, I saw so many situations last season where I'm like, keeping him in there is probably hurting this team more than it's helping at this point. I understand there's some flashes in the, you know, pass rush and stuff like that, but a big part of why the run defense was so bad was Jerry Tillery. If I had to choose another guy, I think, you know, again, another recent draft pick of the chargers, Joshua Kelly, 
might not make the cut with the Chargers either, just because, again, there's so many guys in there. It's going to be a very stiff competition. I'm pretty high on Isaiah Spiller. I think the Chargers put a lot of resources into the power run this season, and I think that is going to catapult Spiller. I you know, think a lot of people saw this coming into the RB2 role pretty early, and I think he's going to be utilized a lot more than we think, too. So that might shove a guy like Joshua Kelly you know, out of the Chargers' plans in 2022. Okay, so let's kind of transition that he kind of has a good transition here. Player position group expectations. We kind of talked a little bit about the safeties, so we don't have to worry about them. Let's talk about the interior defensive line for a sec. Everybody talked about for ad nauseum, like how bad the Chargers defense was, especially on third down, especially against the run, especially up the middle. And the Chargers went out and put a ton of resources into that. From an expectation perspective, like what do you see as maybe the major differences that we'll see like with the eye test, this year's interior defensive line versus last year. Kyle, start with you. Yeah, I just think right off the bat, when I look at the type of player they're bringing in, right, you're getting rid of a Linval Joseph, which is a just a giant body a house, right? You're no longer just I'm going nose guard. You just have to stand here and not lose ground. Uh, these guys are athletic types, right? They're guys that can play that one and a half gap, two gap scheme that that Coach Daly wants to run. Um, and so that that's what I'm most excited to see is guys in there that can do what he needs. Um, I think the deficiencies that we had on defense, as much as we as fans like to think that we know, you know, Coach Daly knew just as well the deficiencies that he had, and it had to affect his ability to call plays. You know, he yeah. has plays. That he's like, oh, this would be a great in this situation right here, but I can't trust this guy to do it, so I'm going to have to make this call. Um, I know as a, as a coordinator in the past, you got a guy hurt, everything changes in play calling. So I'm excited to see how that evolves in um, our new interior defensive line that I think is just more athletic and more able to do the scheme that he wants to run. Jake, of all the interior defensive line guys that either came onto this team in a free agency or maybe a guy who's already been on the team, who is one guy who you think is going to make the biggest difference at the interior defensive line position this season compared to what we had last season? I mean, it's hard to ignore Sebastian Joseph Day, obviously, just with his notoriety becoming the new eyeball emoji police for the Chargers that we all <laughs> love to see. Um, I think you got to look at Austin Johnson a little bit. I don't think that we're talking about him enough just in terms of, um, you know, him being more of just that lower level signee that uh, – that I, I just don't think is getting enough love. I think for what he did for the Giants and what he's done thus far in the NFL, and when you really break down his scores, what he's done against the run, I think you, when you pair him along a guy, alongside a guy like Sebastian Joseph Day and then put that in between a, a Joey Bosa and a Khalil Mack, I think that as far as your formidable starting offensive line, especially when we were talking about stopping the run and all of the trials and tribulations that the Chargers defense had to go through on that last year, I think that's one that we should be giving just a little bit more notoriety to. Sticking with the interior defensive line, Dan Wade coming to you. Uh, in terms of the group, how many interior defensive linemen are you keeping on this roster? And who's the odd man or men out? It's a great question, Dan, just because I think if you had gone to me with where the surprise cut's going to be from, like I would have said probably interior defensive line or linebacker just because the sheer amount of dudes that you have at those positions now. I mean, and either guys who were brought in this year or played for you last season and, you know, played on the defense last year. So last year was five, right? It's hard to get down to five with this current roster. Yeah, if you think Jerry Tillery is going to be gone, I mean, that money's already paid and just Tom Telesco financially, I don't think he's going to do it. And obviously the affinity that he's shown obviously for his first round picks, you know, and wanting that to work out. 
I think it's six. I think it ends up looking like this. I think you have Morgan Fox and Jerry Tillery as that, you know, three technique kind of player, four eye guy. And then I think you have the rest of the stuffing guys like Sebastian Joseph Day, Austin Johnson. And then you get to their backups. I mean, it's hard for me to think Christian Covington isn't going to make the team just because they just brought him in. But that leaves a lot of guys, right? That leaves a lot of guys that played last year and are really on the roster bubble like a Braden Fajoko, right? And Joe Gaziano, guys that actually played meaningful snaps for you last season. And in, in Fajoko's you know, case, as all of us know, played really well and actually deserved to have a, probably a bigger role than he had last season. So I think it ends up being six. I've definitely missed someone in there. But I think it'll be one more than last year just because of the sheer amount of guys. I don't think Tillery's getting cut. I think by, you know, process of you know, just looking at it that way, I think it's going to end up being six dudes. Steven, I know you love talking about the the trench game. Do you agree? <laughs> Is anybody, th- anybody there that you would see differently not making the team? Uh, yeah, first of all, I agree. It definitely should be six. I think if you look at, you know, the kind of issues that they had at the start of the season and obviously choosing Eric Banks over the other guys was a, was a <laughs> freaking disaster. It was a choice, yeah. It was <laughs> certainly a choice. It certainly qualifies as a decision. Um, but I, I think they learned from their mistake throughout the season. And, and part of that, of course, was, you know, Justin Jones getting injured and then Braden Fajoko taking advantage of his opportunity to the point where, uh, you know, he was considered essential on the roster. So I, I think you keep six. Um, of course, Tito Obonia would have That's to make the roster. Forgot yeah, Tito. So, um, I, I frankly do not see them cutting Jerry Tillery. Uh, you know, we heard from somebody inside the building, and we've talked about this on the show, that he was kind of considered the golden boy by the coaching staff included. Um, so I would be very surprised if Jerry Tillery were off this team. So I think for me, you have Sebastian Joseph Day, Austin Johnson, Tito Bonia, Jerry Tillery, Morgan Fox as locks. And then you're going to let, you know, Christian Covington and Braden Folk kind of duke it out in training camp. And, um, my choice would be Fajoko, who uh, in the last 10 games of the season was the number one defensive tackle in run stop percentage, as opposed to Christian Covington, who was like 78th. So uh, that would be my choice. But I, I I would expect them to choose Christian Covington just because of that veteran leadership and the way that Brandon Staley talked about him last year. Director, question for you. So last year, Justin Jones, although like it, the thing for him is like he never was able to stay healthy throughout the entire year, but Justin Jones was pretty darn good for the Chargers when out there. Where would you put, and I think it's interesting to have perspective, like where would you put Justin Jones like sack ranked with the guys that we currently have at entry defensive linemen? Like if you had all of them on your squad, would Justin Jones be IDL three, two? That is so tough because the guys that we've brought in, man, those are some quality. These are hand-picked, selected Avengers by uh, Brandon Staley, Tom Telesco. Because what I think one of the biggest things that was uh, an issue with the Chargers last season was maybe a lack of versatility. I'm not quite sure how versatile Justin Jones is, but you need guys that can play across the entire defensive line. Because, you know, as much as we all pretend to understand what Brandon Staley's doing on defense, we have no idea because the dude is just so tricky in the way that he likes to implement that scheme. So for Justin Jones, it really depends on how much he can move around. Um, I think that can be said about a lot of guys uh, behind, you know, those starting three or four dudes that we talked about because it's going to be very demanding of these players and in, in playing the interior defensive line because you need to have that flexibility uh, in order to fit what Brandon Staley wants to do, which is, again, I think a big reason why the Chargers struggled so much last season in defending the run. 
Now, Jake, I'm going to come to you, and then David, you're going on deck. Uh, let's switch position a little bit. Wide receiver. I think this is a hot-button topic for probably every Chargers fan. Lots of folks thought they're going to go wide receiver in the draft. Maybe they're going to go get one in free agency. They kept Mike Williams. They kept with the, they kept their guys. They like who they have. Josh Palmer up and coming. They got Jalen Guyton. They got Mike Williams. They got Keenan Allen. Jake, what do you kind of make of that decision to kind of stick with what we have along with DeAndre Carter? But basically, I like us. Did you agree with it? Do you see that being an issue going forward? I mean, it's still kind of, I've come to peace with it. Let's just say a little bit more. I still think that when you see what the scope of the AFC West is turning into and just the train wreck of a division that it's going to be for for anybody to get a handle on this division, it's, it's all about weapons. You can't just have one or two guys anymore. And we cannot forget, I still would kind of lump in a little bit of Jared Everett into this because I definitely think that he's going to be a viable weapon for this offense this year. But I think it's a great vote of confidence from the coaching staff to Josh Palmer, to Jalen Guyton. You bring in DeAndre Carter, is he going to be used a little bit more than just a returner? Are you going to be able to add him and implement him into this offense? But I'm interested to see definitely the next step that Joshua Palmer is going to to go on. Your speed guy still is Jalen Guyton. Is he going to be able to be a little bit more productive the way he was when he had Tyron Johnson opposite him and they were both going down the field? Got to fix a little bit of the drops, though, of course, in that circumstance. But yeah, I was a little, I was still a little bit mixed on it. I, I would have thought that they would have been getting a little bit more firepower, whether it was through free agency or the draft to kind of match a little bit of what the other AFC teams were doing. But it's going to be a different offensive type plan. Hopefully we'll implement certain players in better ways to get them more in tune and be able to, uh, to unleash them in different ways. David, I'll go to you with this one then. Uh, Keenan Allen talked about it in his recent press conference about the issues that he has specifically, but I think you could talk about it with most of the receivers when it comes to drops last year. And it was like uncharacteristic at horrible time. And I'll include Jared Cook in that as well. Um, so from your perspective, how do you see the team maybe improving on the drop situation? Or, and then how do you kind of see the wide receiver room shaking out? Like who's going to be wide receiver three? Who's the guy that takes the top off the field? What are they going to look like this year? Yeah, I mean, I think you have to expect that the, the drops are going to regress to the mean, right? I mean, I, I think even Keenan Allen was the one saying, hey, you got to turn the jugs machine up, right? Well, I mean, hey, everyone's going to have to do ten that. Drops. And, yeah, the <laughs> 10 drops. Yeah, uh, 10 drops. That's very, very uncharacteristic of him, but that's what we saw from him last year. So, I mean, you know, as a 10-year pro, I'm sure, you know, you expect him to go back to back to work to correct that issue. But as far as, you know, this off, I think you're going to be able to see a little bit more explosive plays this year. Cause you're going to have a better running game. You're going to have, you know, the, a great offensive lines. You're going to have time, but most importantly, I think another reason why those drops are going to regress is because this is another year in the offense. This is a second year in the offense, not only for the the players, but you know, for Justin Herbert, the quarterback too. So he's not going to have to be, you know, learning on the fly. He already has command of the offense. Now, now they can, try to expand this going to football 202 as Joe Lombardi put it um, which you know I think you're going to see some more aggressive downfield shots with this offense as far as the wide receiver room is concerned I think it's I mean what you see is what you're going to get out there I don't think they're going to make any more additions I think it is what it is you I mean Joe Lombardi's all about tools in the toolbox right you know he wants to have different receivers that can do different things and he's missing and Allen is your possession receiver? Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I agree. But Keenan Allen's your possession receiver is a first down monster. Keen, uh, you know, Mike Williams is your downfield guy who's 
always, you know, in position to make a play for you. I mean, you have different receivers that do different things. I think I just want to see some growth from Jalen Guyton. If he's going to be the speed guy, we need to see him take that next step in the offense. I mean, he showed flashes towards the end of the year, expanding his route tree and being more of a complete receiver. But I think if he wants to really like take that spot and be that speed guy for the Chargers moving forward, he needs to show that he can progress as a wide receiver in this offense. Do you wait? Okay, you talked about a tool missing. What is the yeah. tool missing for this wide receiving core? And you played football for a bit. How yeah. do they solve the drop issues? I mean, solving the drop issues, I think David had the right point and like the wrong landing because I do think that being in year two of the offense and Joe Lombardi's offense is going to have a lot better ball placement, hopefully, for Justin Herbert, right? And having those routes and things like that much more in sync so they're getting the ball in better places i mean some of it is a touch thing with justin herbert as well right i mean five yard passes that are going 100 miles an hour i think that probably gets a little better the touch probably gets a little bit better no excuses it hits your hands i mean i'm blaming you as the guy who hit up in the air for an interception but i think all of those things can be true to lead to a much smaller number there i think the receiver room though i don't see how it changes much right i mean you're you're just more focusing on the guys that you have getting much better as opposed to bringing in guys to, you know, help that room. Because I talked about tools that are missing. I mean, the two biggest tools are the yak threat, the guy who's going to be able to make people miss, take a short pass and be able to take it 60 yards of the house, which doesn't exist very often. And the guy that has that true blazing speed. I know, you know, Jalen Guyton, high four threes, that's nice and everything. But I think we can all see a difference between guys like that and some of the guys who are doing that around the league. And there's not very many of them, right? And a lot of the guys you take that run a 4-2 don't end up handing out. The Tyreek Hills are very, very hard to find. So I think that they're just hoping for a lot of growth in the group that they have. Because if you're talking about how this receiver room plays out, I mean, is it any different than it was last season? I mean, we still have to see what the DeAndre you know, Carter part of it's going to be, how much they want to use him as that kind of a weapon. But you have wide receiver one, Keenan Allen. Two is Mike Williams, I guess, flip-flop and, you know, Joe Lombardi's offense, depending on how you're looking at it. But Josh Palmer, I think we all agree, he's probably wide receiver three. I mean, and probably has a more expanded role than he did last year. The deep threat's Jalen Guyton, and the wild card is DeAndre Carter. I don't see any other real way for it playing out in that room. It, it is interesting. And I, the one, not necessarily a pushback, but the one question I would a- ask is, and maybe Kyle, maybe you can answer this, DeAndre Carter, like how much do we actually see him involved in the offense specifically? Obviously he's there as a returner, but like he does have the speed. He does have the yak ability when seen at in DC, but like, do you expect that this season on offense? I don't think so. I think it's going to be used similar to what we saw last year with our return, with our return, man. It's going to be every once in a while, Lombardi throws in like a reverse or a fly sweep. Um, and they want to get a guy with open field vision that can try to make a play that that's, that's all I see it as. I don't think he's a legitimate wide receiver option. Um, unless guys start to go down. I don't think he's going to replace the four, um, that Dan already, already mentioned that are ahead of him. Okay. Haglin, let's go to you on the next one. Uh, everyone knows about the issues the Chargers have had at linebacker for the last few years. Uh, not necessarily much better. They did add some depth there. They got Kyle Van Noy, they got Trey Reader. Uh, they're bringing back Drew Tranquil. They're bringing back Kenneth Murray, although he's come back from injury. How do you kind of foresee the, the, the linebacking crew make up as we get to week one? Like, what is that crew going to look like? How many are we going to see on the field? Like, is it really an issue? Or is it less because of how many we're actually going to see play on Sundays? 
I think I think it's certainly an issue. <clears throat> Excuse me. I think if you're talking about you know just the modern day NFL, you're you're missing like a true linebacker one. And I thought Kaiser White was was becoming that kind of player mm. last year. And you know, I hate to bring up you know sore subjects again, but um, you know, considering the contract he got, I kind of expected that you know the Chargers would be able to match that kind of contract. And um, they could have. So and they could have. So you bring in. Troy Reader, who I think is is fine to me. He's kind of like your insurance plan for Kenneth Murray missing games. Maybe Nick Neiman, Eamon, Ogbong, Ogbong, don't you know take that step forward in their personal development. So I feel fine about the depth, and I feel fine about like their starters. I just don't feel like they have like a true number one lead linebacker, if that makes sense. So I like Joe Tranquil a lot. I think he's a really solid player. And I think he probably is the best linebacker on the team. But I just kind of question the ceiling of this unit. And again, Brandon say they took Troy Reader and, and scraps in 2020 and had the number one defense in the NFL. So, you know, that kind of speaks to where Staley views the position. And, you know, maybe we see more of those five-man, one-linebacker fronts that we saw in 2020, which I think is certainly a possibility with, you know, all the defensive line units that uh, the Chargers have made. So, I feel, like I said, okay about the depth, but I, I don't see like a true number one option in this room by any means. And, you know, Kenneth Murray obviously has the ceiling there, but really when are we seeing Kenneth Murray? I feel like is one of the bigger question marks in training camp because Brandon said he said he should be ready, but what does that mean? Is he is he running? Is he hitting? Is he able to play week one? Is he playing in week eight? So I think Kenneth Murray's health is kind of the – one of the top two or three question marks I have heading into training camp. Now it's interesting to see the linebacking core shape into what it was last year to this year. And everyone knows about Kaiser white and the, the hope that he was coming back and to see the contract, you're like, Oh my goodness. I do think you're right though, Stephen. and having the particular formation on the field, I don't think there's gonna be many times they're going to see more than two linebackers on the field for this team, no. just because they don't, they have other guys, other positions that are better than those linebackers that are more athletic. So I think it's going to be a, you hear a lot of coaches talk about like strength and a strength and hide a weakness. Like, I think that's kind of what I see Brandon Staley doing with the linebacking sure. core. Um, let's get into an interesting topic. So everybody's talking about, you know, phenom, Justin Herbert, <laughs> second year went crazy after his rookie of the year campaign, year three, everyone's talking about like him possibly being MVP, MVP candidate. Uh, let's start with you, Jake. Justin Herbert, statistically, do you see him having a better year in 2022 than 2021? And if that's the case, is that necessarily a bad thing? I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing if he's not able to eclipse it. I mean, again, it's what a phenomenal first two years that he has had underneath his belt and to see what he did last year, given the circumstances. I mean, you think about what the stats would have been like if the Chargers didn't lead the league in drops, uh, how much better it would have been. It may not be the worst thing in the world if he is not able to match or eclipse that. Because to me, I would hope that they're putting him in a situation to where he's not having to play catch-up football, which means your defense is playing better. You're not having to play Superman, which means your receivers are catching the ball and being able to progress downfield a little bit more. And how about your running game being able to sustain? You get a little bit more 
uh, of a two-headed monster now with Isaiah Spiller to pair with Austin Eckler. So if you can make it, you know, you've heard Brandon Staley talk about this so far in RTAs as far as being a complete team. If you can make this a team that, to where Justin Herbert is not necessarily have to be the guy that bails you out, even though it's great when he does, and obviously he's the only guy that can truly do that. But if you can make this team that multiple to where you can give Justin Herbert every opportunity from a defensive taking it away, giving it back to the offense, your running game being able to just grind out those tough games at the end and take the game over, that's productive football. That is what's going to win you games in the playoffs. So, no, I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing if Justin Herbert is not able to get back to those numbers again. Director, do you see Justin Herbert having a better 2022 season than his second year? It's it's so tricky, man, because it technically yes and no. Uh, right. Just given the situation, you know, you would hope, like Jake said, that he's not going to have to play so much catch up football. But there's a couple of things that come to mind when I'm thinking, what could we see from Justin Herbert statistically in 2022? The first thing is that defense. Of course, he's going to get more opportunities to have the ball in his possession, which could indicate maybe a slight boost in stats. Outside of that, um, I think the Chargers, again, are going to help themselves out in terms of generating more turnovers. I think the guys that we brought in, J.C. Jackson, Khalil Mack, these guys are going to help get the football back sporadically for the Chargers, which, again, provides more opportunity. However, on the other hand, too, you would hope that the defense would help Justin Herbert manage the game a little easier. And we're talking time of possession. You don't, you're not going to have to go out there and uh, score with only two minutes on the clock as often. If you can take control of the clock a little bit more with that boosted uh, power run, maybe that gives you a better shot at coming away with more wins. But a big thing that I do think a lot about in terms of Justin Herbert next year is the division, man. I mean, of course, we're all hoping that the defense can hold their own and they are a top 10 defense in the league next season. But my goodness, man, we're talking about a Raiders with uh, Devontae Adams. We're talking about the Chiefs as always. We're talking about a Broncos team with Russell Wilson that may keep the Chargers in tighter games than we like to see throughout the season. So, I mean, maybe a lot of those factors even each other out and equal to a, a better statistic year next season. But we're all kind of hoping he doesn't have to do that. So let's hope for the best, prepare for the worst. <laughs> David, let's go to you. So question for Justin Herbert, then. You, all the statistics, you got passing yards, touchdowns, rushing yards, whatever it is. What do you see as the biggest difference statistically you'll see this year versus last? Like what statistic... Do you think it's going to have the biggest change year over year? Yeah, I mean, I think it's just going to be overall efficiency this year. I think just with more command of the offense, he's, I think his his pass percentage is going to be higher. I think it's going to be, you know, it could be north of 70%. Uh, I, I think I, I can realistically see that with more um, command of the offense and more chemistry with his offensive weapons, more time hopefully um, in front of him with that offensive line, less interceptions and a higher completion percentage I think is what I see translating in year two of an offense for the first time for Justin Herbert since high school. Kyle, for Justin Herbert to have an MVP season, what is the biggest difference we to see from him year three versus year two? We got to get in the playoffs and make a run. That's, there you that's, go. How, you, that, that's how you win an MVP. Like we clearly Justin Herbert is he's landed. He's here. He's in the NFL. He's one of the top five quarterbacks in the NFL. His stats were there last year with the guys that were in the race for the MVP, but we weren't in the playoffs. Um, for us to be in the playoffs, it's going to require Justin to have a great year. And for us to win in the playoffs, that's going to solidify his name as, as one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. So I think we get in the playoffs, we win a couple games. Absolutely. He's going to be one of the top five guys. And 
to that to the previous question of him having a recession I, I i don't know why there is all that like it's it seems constant with justin herbert we can't allow the man just to be a great quarterback like just 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 everyone just it's okay he's really good at quarterback you know coming into last year was sophomore slump he's gonna have a sophomore slump there's no way he can repeat he repeats plus some now you have a guy in another year of the offense and we act as guys none of us want to lead and to start running like that's what we all say, like, oh, we're going to run the ball more. None of us want that. We we know as Charger fans, having covered mm-hmm. this team for however many years, you start to let up, teams are going to come back. I I don't think that Brandon Staley has any ounce of let's run the ball to run the clock out in him. I think we're going for four on, on fourth down. We're going to take the ball away, and we're going to throw for 5,000-plus yards. That's what I anticipate. I love it. I love let's it. go. Aggression. Yeah. All right, so, uh, Director, you talked about – some of the new names, right? We got Khalil Mack, we got JC Jackson, we got Sebastian Joseph Day, Gerald Everett. Uh, let's go into kind of like difference makers this season. So last year we had a crop of them and they, we didn't make the playoffs. This year, rule for this one, we're gonna go around the horn, all of you guys, you're not allowed to repeat. So we'll start with the director and then we'll just go clockwise throughout. Who is going to be the biggest difference maker or a big difference maker in this team, in this scheme, this year versus last? Oh, I'll take I'll take the easy one. I'll take the best one. I'll take the obvious one. It's gonna be Khalil Mack, man. That's the obvious one. That's got to oh, be yeah. the at least to me, man. It's got to be Khalil Mack in terms of bringing something new, something fresh. Pressure is the key to everything. You must get to the quarterback in the AFC West. This was one of the most. I'm sure that they had plans for it ahead of time. But one of the most perfect counters to the Denver Broncos picking up a Russell Wilson, to the Raiders loading up on offense. You have got to get to the quarterback. I have to talk about the butterfly effect in terms of defense. When you bring somebody in like that, it is going to affect every level of that defense, of which they bolstered every level in some way as well. So I think Joey Bosa might be in for another for a career season this year his best season came uh from one of uh melvin ingram's best seasons i do believe i think 10 and a half sex melvin ingram and then 12 and a half joey bosa you bring in a guy like khalil mack who knows what could happen man that is going to be a very big part of the chargers success this year i think joey bosa sees a career year and i think it could have it's probably one of the best moves they could have possibly made this offseason khalil mack jay khalil mack is off the board Next up, most impactful player on this team. Let's just say not say Justin Herbert. We all know Justin Herbert. <laughs> Wait, you know, Justin I'll... Herbert's an option? What? <laughs> I thought we were just talking about, the, this was new guys. about the new players. Yeah, I thought that too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know we are. We are. We'll, we'll talk we about are. new players. Go ahead. We are. Okay. Uh, so Herbert. I'll probably go with the second most obvious one, and that's J.C. Jackson. But to the director's point, everything gets better when you're able to rush the quarterback. I think having Khalil Mack on this team is the obvious choice at number one because that's going to just improve your secondary that much more in terms of how much time you actually have to cover some of these receivers. But J.C. Jackson coming in is reshaping the defensive secondary, in my opinion. And you see the emphasis that Brandon Staley has put into adding pieces into this secondary, given everything that took place last year. But J.C. Jackson coming in with 25 interceptions over the last four seasons is no joke. And hopefully he's going to be able to add a lot more takeaways to this secondary, make him more aggressive. Now you've got two big bodied cornerbacks to pair with J.C. or that's J.C. Jackson and Michael Davis on the outside. So hopefully he's going to be able to make a huge impact for the secondary. Steven, I wanted to ask you about this uh, in terms of the Khalil Mack question. How do you see Khalil Mack kind of impacting the edge 
position for this team. Because we see Joey Bosa, like he's always been double, triple teamed. Now with Khalil Max, it'd be hard to do that, especially now with Sebastian Joseph Day as well. Like tactically, I know you're a big trench guy. Like how do you see him kind of freeing up the defense? I mean, it's going to create an endless opportunity of one-on-one matchups across the board for me. I, th- I think so much of you know game planning for your offensive line is about reputation and about who you think is truly your number one option here. And so I, I think you could really make an argument that Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa are on equal playing fields right now at this point of their Just careers. Crazy. And you can't double team both of them on every single play. You might be able to do, you know, chip both or, or things like that, but the more help that you divert to those two players, the less options that you have in other places. And that was a huge problem for the chargers last year. And to the director's point, chargers were 27th in the league in total pressures last year. And Uchenon was, was fine. Like he, he was a good number two option, but they didn't have anybody else that could take advantage of those number one opportunities. And even Sebastian Joseph day, who last season, he only played in seven games, but 15 total pressures, three sacks as a nose tackle in seven games. So they've improved across the board in the pass rush, and Khalil Mack is going to give all of those guys one-on-one opportunities. It gives you more versatility. And I think just, like, the sheer presence and attitude that he's going to bring to this defensive line cannot be overstated. David, we got Khalil Mack off the board, J.C. Jackson off the board. What say you? Biggest difference maker added to this team. And again, we got the draft guys too, not just Don't the guys. You screw me, David. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely <laughs> going to say you eyeball my piece. What you said? Well, I, I mean, honestly, I thought that was Steven saying Sebastian Joseph Day. So I'm going to go ahead and take that one. Uh, thank you very much. Yet. Um, Sebastian Joseph Day just transforms the run defense, which we all know was the Chargers' biggest Achilles heel last year. The teams knew going in against the Chargers that they were going to be able to run the ball. They ran the ball, and then they laughed at the Chargers because the, they knew the Chargers couldn't stop them. And that was Burkhead game laughed after all the way game to the bank. after game after game. And don't bring now, that up, Jake. Don't, don't talk about that. that name. We don't How talk about Bruno. Improving the run defense is going to make everything better because – Brandon Staley, you saw in in just very few opportunities him being able to deploy those exotic blitz packages on those third and long situations. That's when they really got pressure very, very effectively almost every single time they threw those packages out there. What was the problem? They were never in third and long situations to be able to deploy those packages. With them being able to stop the run on early downs in much large part because of Sebastian Joseph Day's presence, it is going to allow this defense to be more multiple and much more effective rushing the passer. So solving the run defense is going to unlock so many more possibilities for every level of this Chargers defense, and I can't wait to see it. Damn. A lot of guys on the board. Who's that for you? Justin Herbert. <laughs> we took that one. <laughs> no, I, I like what David said too. And I think the other thing adding on to that is what, first of all, they didn't expect him to do it by himself, right? It's him plus Austin Johnson, plus you know, Morgan Fox a little bit, plus Tito Abonia. But hopefully how much that improves your linebacking core, having those dudes in front of them to free things up because the average depth of tackle for this linebacking core last year outside of Kazir White, who was in the threes, was like six plus near the bottom of the league. So I love that pick by David. And I think that's going to help everybody, like you said. But for me, I struggle with this one because I think Bryce Callahan, Kyle Van Noy, if they're playing at their apex, if we're seeing them play the best that they've ever played at the height of their powers, I think it's one of those two dudes. I'm going to go with Gerald Everett, though, because to me, he just seems like a guy that, like, 
I keep waiting for him to break out, right? When it was with the Rams, he thought it was going to happen, and then Tyler Higby shows up, and you know Sean McVay doesn't want to play him anymore. And then he goes to Seattle, has a career year with Dino Smith, throwing him the ball for too many games, you know, more than he should have. And I think for me, just what you're getting as opposed to what you got from Jared Cook, totally different players. You argue Jared Cook's the better red zone threat. I mean, I would grant you that. But when you're looking at everything else Gerald Everett brings, because we talked about the receivers and what they're missing, right? Like Gerald Everett to me is probably the Chargers' second best yak threat on their team right now. If we're not including Austin Eckler, it's probably Austin Eckler, DeAndre Carter, and then Gerald Everett right there. And it's probably Donna Parham after him, right? And that's two of your tight ends right out of the top four on your team and only one wide receiver based on what I've seen from them. And I think that's something that's going to help this Chargers offense a lot, especially the way that they tried to use Jared Cook a lot of times last season where he had these big open spaces to run. And I think it really inflated what his yak numbers were last year, because if you look at his yards after catch per reception, him and Jared Cook were very close. And you're like, how does that happen? Well, first of all, it's the average depth of target has a big thing part to do with it. But the other part of it is Joe Lombardi was getting Jared Cook into good situations, right? And and he was doing what he could with them. Gerald Everett's going to take that to another level with his level of, you know, athleticism and all those things. I just think he's going to be do a lot more with those targets than Jared Cook was able to do last year. And I think when you're just looking at what they gain as opposed to having Jared Cook, that's why he ends up at the number four spot on my list. Steven, a lot of guys on the board. Your number one, your number one pick is still here. I cannot believe that he has not unpicked yet. Yeah, I think for me, uh, if I were first, I probably would have said Kalamak or second JC Jackson. But for me, after those two, it is Zion Johnson and what he's. Oh, able to I did do think of rookies. Good call. For, <laughs> I mean, Dan said rookies like right before you started talking, man. <laughs> yeah, um, I changed my pick. Go ahead, Stephen. <laughs> <laughs> I love Zion Johnson. Yeah, I mean, I I love Zion Johnson, man. He was one of my you know top choices for the seventeenth pick, and obviously, I was was super excited to add him. And you know, I think if you're talking about the best case scenario for Zion right away, it's him being an upgrade over what we saw from Ode Abushi. If you're talking which is about pretty incredible, worst case, which is pretty <laughs> incredible. If we're talking about his worst case, it's that he's playing at the same level of Ode Abushi in my mind. And you know, true media tracks pass blocking reps and run blocking reps as wins and losses, right? And, and blown block rate is something that they are really big on. And Zion's, Zion Johnson's blown block rate last year at Boston College was 0. 0.3. Ridiculous. <laughs> Meaning his, <laughs> win per, his win percentage was 97.7. And, you know, you look at... 99.7? 99.7. 99. Jesus Christ. Look at me, lowballing my guy. My good <laughs> shame on me. Big um, Trevor Penning guy over here. You <laughs> <laughs> talk about blown block rate. It was much higher for Trevor Penning. Um, but I, I think if you know Zion hits the ground running in, in, in his best case scenario, you're talking about the Chargers having one of the top three interior offensive lines in the league right away. And you know the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers probably would have been my choice last year. Ali Marpet is retired. Alex Kappa is on a different team. You know, the, the Dallas Cowboys have been that. The Philadelphia Eagles could certainly have an argument there. But if Zion hits the ground running, then I think with Corey Lindsay and all-pro center, Matt Filer, a, an above-average, solid starting caliber player, and Zion Johnson, you could be looking at, you know, a top three, four, five into your offensive line in the league. And I think that kind of impact is huge for this offense. All right, Kyle. 
I, I love having the resident offensive lineman in terms of, you know, pumping up the Chargers O-line because, let's be honest, we don't know what we're talking about when it comes to O-line. <laughs> I love having the, the hype guy for Zion Johnson. Super hyped to see what he can do. I just like thinking about Steven like a couple years ago, just like pulling his hair out and he's watching Dane Feeney and he's <laughs> oh, watching man. Forest Lamb and he's watching these guys in there just like going absolutely nuts and like his face looks just like it does right now. One hundred percent. I just like it makes me think back to those times and how far it's come. Right. My, my absolute guys. my absolute worst film watching experience was the Patriots game from uh, twenty twenty, and not Ooh. because like. The score was bad, right? Because when you're watching yeah. the All-22, you don't even see the score. You mean Kenneth Murray's best game as a pro, that, that game? That game, yeah. But, yeah. like, in terms of offensive line, like, the the Patriots were rushing three on, like, half of their pass rush reps and just destroying Forrest Lamp, Dan Feeney, Sam Tevy, all those guys. So, uh, yes, been a, been a long time, long time coming for this unit. We would have never been the Guilty as Charged podcast. It would have been Fix This Damn O-Line podcast. <laughs> <laughs> We all could be special name. guests on that one. There we go. All right, Kyle, you're up. Who's the <laughs> thank, next yeah, one? Thank, thanks for letting me go last with all the hey, I still got to go behind you. I got to go behind yeah. you. I put myself last. Oh, God, I got it. Okay. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, all those are great points. I love the Gerald Everett pick, to be honest. I I think that he's going to have a huge breakout year. I think he's a fantasy tight end sleeper for a lot of people. 100%. Um, um, this is a guy. This is kind of a homer pick. Somebody I played high school football with. There you um, go. Kyle Benoit. So... He's, I just think that the, the ability that we're going to have with having a guy like him, um, a veteran. You played football well, with Kyle Van Noy? Yeah, in high school. I played Boy, that's at sick, dude. McQueen, Robert McQueen High School. Yeah, he was oh, all state sick. wide receiver and outside <laughs> linebacker. Wow, that's awesome. so cool. <laughs> you should have done a better job of helping him out on his recruitment, man. He went to the worst school possible in college. I, I know, I know. That, that, I think there was some more influence there for him. Um, but yeah. Yeah, uh, I, I I think what he's gonna do. Um, the Chargers we've always we've always had decent ones, right? But it's when you get somebody hurt. It's we always have some kind of injuries. Every NFL team has injuries, and then when you go to that number two, number three, it gets it starts to get a little bit worrisome. Um, and and now with the Kyle Vanoy, you seal a lot of different holes with one guy. Um, he can play at that middle linebacker spot because he's done it before in his career. He can play on that outside as an edge rusher. I think I think the ability to keep Cleo Mack and Joey Bosa fresh um, is completely underrated. Them to be able to come in, um, like David said, said, that third down efficiency was god-awful last year. Um, how do you do better is, one, putting them in third and long situations. But then when you get into third and long, you have that NASCAR package where you bring those guys on the field and get after the quarterback. Can you imagine a, a Joey Bosa in a three or a four eye with Khalil Mack on the same side? And then you put Kyle Vanoy on the other side. I think Kyle's in and Derwin James. Oh yeah, my god. I think oh. I think I think <laughs> Kyle Vanoy's instincts yes. are what make him different. He he finds a way to get to the ball. He's a little unorthodox. It doesn't look uh, like everyone all the time, but he's just always around the ball. He's 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 finding a way to make tackles. So I think Kyle is gonna do a lot to open up um Khalil Mack. I think he's that that little extra piece to have Khalil and Joey have gigantic years. We've had a ton of guys talked about. I do think that there's one out. Obviously, he's not going to be as impactful as a JC Jackson would be in the secondary. But I do think that Bryce Callahan, I think, is going to be a high value addition to this team. And I think unlocks a lot of flexibility that they wouldn't have had if they didn't have him on the team. I think having him, you heard Brandon say talk about like them being able to be more flexible with what they do with Asante Samuel Jr. It also makes them less reliable on a Michael Davis who didn't really have the greatest of years last year. 
And Bryce Callahan, when healthy, is arguably one of the best slot corners in the NFL. And so having J.C. Jackson, Bryce Callahan, along with Mike Davis, along with Asante Samuel Jr., now you're not having to worry about Tavon Campbell in a pinch being your CB2 or 3. And so Bryce Callahan, I think, brings a lot, especially just understanding of the scheme. You heard him, you heard Brandon Staley kind of bring in guys at every level on this team on defense. That way they can kind of get everyone up to speed and in the right position. So I think Bryce Callahan, the other one that's got honorable mention would probably be Isaiah Spiller, only because how much this team was so reliant on Austin Eckler to be Superman in that backfield. And mm-hmm. he's just not built for that. Like he, he could, but you don't want him to be. And so being able to have someone that can come and actually, in theory, we haven't seen it come out, but Take that RB2 spot, because if we're being honest, no one took it last year. And so Isaiah Spiller, I think, has everything in front of him to be RB2 and might be Austin Eckler's best friend. I mean, it seems like he wants it, yeah, for sure. (laughs) I mean, that's a great one to put there. And I think the thing with him is, like, such a clear path to playing time, right? I mean, that's not Mm -hmm. something you can say about all the rookies. Like, there's some questions there. Like, Zion Johnson, of course, he's penciled in your starting guy, but, like, look at where the bar is set right and you know what i mean like he has every taken by this regime unlike josh kelly can definitely average probably more than two yards per carry unlike larry roundtree last season like he has such a it's crazy that both of them were fourth round picks right can we say that like josh kelly and isaiah spiller just having watched both of them come out it's crazy that they're picked in the same round because i just don't even think that kelly was in the same realm of a prospect as Isaiah Spiller. So I love that call as far as like guys who could have an impact this year. I don't know if all the rookies are going to, obviously, except for Xander Horvath. But I think those two guys, I mean, Isaiah Spiller, Zion Johnson, there's such a clear path to both of those guys getting on the field early. Yeah, just Rapid. really quickly, Dan. All right. Oh, go ahead. Um, you know, Timo Risk pointed this out the other day that the Chargers saw six man boxes or fewer at the second highest rate in the league, only trailing the Chiefs. So. Wow. Larry Roundtree, Joshua Kelly had a big time opportunity. Justin Jackson did as well to take advantage of light boxes and they never were able to do that. So Isaiah Spiller can come in right away and just be a hyper efficient complimentary back. And I think we're talking about a a ton of value to this team. Maybe he's not challenging for offensive rookie of the year, but if he can just be what he was in college and take advantage of those opportunities, we're talking about him kind of walking his way to like 600 yards rushing, six touchdowns, and I think we feel pretty good about that. And, 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 and director, think, sorry, think, look who he gets to run behind too, man. He's running behind Zion Johnson. He's running behind Corey Lindsley, right? Remember uh, what's his name from the Packers, A.J. Dillon, behind uh, Corey Lindsley. How many, you know, one-yard touchdowns would we see with that pairing in Green Bay? I think we're going to see that, yeah, with Isaiah Spiller. He's, he's walking into a great situation. Yes. I was going to say, a six-man box with this offensive line, especially interior with Isaiah Spiller, like it's, it kind of seems like a cheat code when you have Justin Herbert who can throw out or you can just hand it off inside. Now, in theory, that should be able to work. Dan? I raised my hand. Yes, you did. <laughs> I think I, the one thing I want to kind of point out through this whole situation, Ryan, we're talking about all the additions and things like that, David. No, just, no kidding. I'm just kidding. But I think the one thing that doesn't get talked about enough, right, is this team adding closers on both sides of the ball, yeah, right? Getting guys point. who can finish games for you. Getting a J.C. Jackson who can get that last interception. Because let's be honest, guys, the Buffalo Bills had the number one defense in the entire NFL last season. How did their season end up? Giving up, you know, 40 points to Kansas City in the playoffs. Like, those games are going to happen. Get yourself more guys who can end it on one play. Khalil Mack can end it on one play. J.C. Jackson can end it on one play. Derwin James can. Joey Bosa can. 
you just doubled your amount of closers on the defensive side, right? Our break kid, JT Woods can too. Yeah, for sure. And then offensively, it's like, what do you, what have the Chargers really never been able to do? Like you had the last year game in Washington, right? How good did that feel? I mean, it was a lot of third down conversions by Justin Herbert, but getting positive yardage when the other team knows you're going to run the football, like getting Isaiah Spiller helps that getting Jamari Sawyer eventually helps that getting a guy like Zion Johnson helps that being so strong on the interior offensive line helps all of those things. So for me, that's one of the biggest takeaways I've had from this team and their acquisitions is just getting closers, getting guys who at the end of game can make a play to win you the game because that's been such a struggle for however long. We've got closers all over the board here on this episode. We've got locked on chargers. We've got the director. We've got guilty as charged. We've got charger chat podcast and Chargers unleashed. All right. So guys, last question before I get you out of here. This is a fun one. We talk about this team, but the schedule they have ahead of them is brutal. Like they have the second half of the stretch against some of those teams are tough. They're in the AFC West. I think they have a lot of things to prove. They have a lot of opportunities as well. In terms of just sheer tests that they have to kind of go through, hurdles they have to jump over this year, what do you see as the biggest test for this Chargers team this year? Jake, I'll start with you, then go to the director. I mean, the divisional games obviously jump out as number one. In this particular division, you have to win your divisional game. So optimistically, if you can come out of there... Four and two above five hundred. That would be ideal. That you'd want to see. Who knows what the That's records of the other that. teams are going to look are, are going to look like at that point? But that last six game stretch of the season, and this is true for the, I think what all the rest of the AFC West as far as the last six games of, the, of of their respective seasons. It's just a bull rush to see what they're going to have to go through at that time of the year in those crucial games when it really means something. Because we saw what the Chargers did late last year to essentially lose their way out of the playoffs. You're going to need to close out big time when it comes to those final six weeks. Director, whether it's a team, whether it's a player, whether it's a moment, biggest test for the Chargers of the 2022 season. I think there's going to be two things for me. One, I want them to get off to a hot start. Take advantage of that softer opening of the season schedule, right? Go on a run if you have to. I understand it's going to be a little bit difficult because of all the new moving pieces and stuff like that. But if they can prove it early, I think they're off to a great start. Secondly, man. And this is a big one for me. I want to sweep the Chiefs. <laughs> I think that's one of the biggest things that you can do if you're the Chargers right now, ushering in a new era. Step aside, you know, ugly stepchild. It is the Chargers' time to shine. Because, again, it just feels like every once in a while you see a dynasty or something like that in terms of teams like the Chiefs. And then out of nowhere comes the new kid on the block. It just feels like we are just around the corner from something special and sweeping the Chiefs would make a statement that the AFC West, as tough as it is, belongs to the Chargers. Imagine going week one beating the Raiders, week two beating the Chiefs. Like Chargers fandom would be absolute euphoria if they can go into week three, two and oh. Kyle, what about you? Biggest test for the Chargers this year. Yeah, I, I for me, I, I just think of our deficiencies, right? And last year, our running game being so poor, I, I thought of getting to the playoffs and what the one team I did not want to face was the Derrick Henry-led Tennessee Titans. Uh, that game I have circled. I just think that that's going to be, it's towards the end of the season. It's really a proving point to everyone who has, the only thing they've talked about this whole offseason is how poor our run defense was. The Colts it's a real opportunity. Yeah, yeah, and the Colts as well. Yeah, both of those teams right there at the end of the season. It's just a real opportunity to prove that this Brandon Staley defense is, has evolved. We've got the pieces that we need. Um, we have the defense to be able to make a deep run in the playoffs, and I think we will need that confidence boost going into the postseason, which we'll be in this year. 
David Drogemeyer, biggest test for the Chargers 2022. Yeah, I mean, first let me say, I think that the Chargers right now, the way they're constructed, I think that they can go in and match up with any team that they play on this schedule. I, I truly believe that they can beat any single team that is on the schedule, and they can beat them the way that they need to be played. I think that they're very, very multiple. Obviously, we know that that's not going to happen, but I think you know the, the that last six game stretch is it's absolutely brutal. Um, it's it's going to be re- be where they test their metal and really show what type of team they're going to be. But uh, I, I mean. It, it's it's winning the AFC West, guys. I mean, the Chargers haven't done it in, in a decade. Like, that's the challenge. Like, you have to supersede the Chiefs. You have to beat them. You have to win the division, go into the playoffs, and ignore the noise and go out there and handle your business. I think the Chargers have done everything that they possibly could without actually getting a right tackle um, to put themselves <laughs> in position to really be extremely competitive next season. So I want them to block out the noise and go take care of their business. Mr. Wade, biggest test for this Chargers team. Is so many things. So many things. I mean, I think you could. You don't even have to say AFC West, right? You could just say AFC. The AFC is bonkers. Like, yeah. Because you don't get any teams to beat up on inside your division like Ryan Tannehill, right? And Matt Ryan do with the Jaguars and the Texans. I mean, Wouldn't that be nice? Anything about yeah, exactly. Like, there's no easy game inside your division. I, I think... For me, I'm going facing the NFC West. I mean, that's not a good draw if you're talking about going last year against the NFC East. Bring the NFC East back every single day of the week. This year, you get the NFC West. You get the Rams, obviously, and that's the one I would stick with if I'm just picking one game for this season. The battle for L.A., overblown, all those things. I don't really care about that. The bigger thing is you're playing the Super Bowl champion as you're heading into a playoff run, hopefully, right? And I just think that's going to be such a good barometer for Brandon Staley, right? Going up, I mean, he's from the the Linda Staley tree, so he's not from the Sean McVay coaching tree, but him getting to go up against the guy who gave him that big shot as a defensive coordinator, getting to test your interior offensive line against the likes of Aaron Donald, and just facing a team like that who just did it all, right? You get the perfect barometer as you head down the stretch. Hey, you want to be a Super Bowl team? Go beat the Super Bowl champions, right? And I think that would be such a big statement, but I think it's going to be an incredibly tough test as well. Mr. Haglin. Uh, yes. Uh, similar vein. I'm going with the 49ers game. Uh, I, I think you Ooh. could make a legitimate argument that the Niners have been the best team in the trenches over the last three or four years under Great Kyle call. Shanahan. And, you know, if the Chargers are legitimate, legitimately better in the trenches, like Brandon Staley has uh, said that that is, is his mission. And I think he's put his money where his mouth is along with Tom Telesco. But that is the ultimate measuring stick. You get to go up against Nick Bosa, Eric Armstead, all those guys, Trent Williams, uh, and everybody else on the offensive line, George Kittle, of course, a beast, Kyle Juszczyk. So, you know, of course, you're talking about individual matchups. You could mention Derek Henry, Jonathan Taylor. Nobody runs the ball better than the San Francisco 49ers, in my opinion. And you can talk about that being kind of the, the ultimate measuring stick for this team. Uh, of course, you could talk about all the other AFC West teams, but um, in terms of an individual opponent, I think the Niners for me are kind of like the scariest trench matchup. And so, of course, I'm the trench guy. So that would have, that has to be my choice. <laughs> On brand. On brand. Gentlemen, we have made it through a mega podcast crossover. Locked on Chargers. Guilty as charged. Charger chat podcast. The director himself. Of course, Chargers Unleashed. Gentlemen, this has been so much fun. All right, let's get into some fun stuff for Hot Sack Rapid Fire. Things that you are most looking forward to seeing this season or least looking forward to season. In any particular order, it doesn't matter. I'm not going to be MC anymore. You guys throw it out. Most excited, least excited, go. 
Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack teaming up together. They're going to un- unleash it. I think they're both going to have career years. I think Joey Bosa is going to have 15-plus sacks, and I think Khalil Mack could be up there with him too. I think it's going to be absolute mayhem. And they, I mean, pick your poison. Have fun blocking those two dudes. Be a hot take pl- flamethrower on my show, okay? 30-plus sacks between the two, okay. <laughs> Save some of those hot takes, buddy. Kyle, your turn. Yeah, I, I'm most excited to see Thunder Alley on game days. That's what there I'm looking go. to, going there to the go. game, being with the guys, um, just being back around Charger football. I think everything we've talked about this episode is what I'm excited for. I'm excited. I'm also intrigued to see if our fourth down um, aggressive play calling sticks um, with with how good our defense is going to be. We don't have those deficiencies you have to make up for. Uh, I wonder if we become more, hey, we can lean on the defense. So I'm excited to see what happens in year two of Staley, if that really is his identity or that was out of necessity. Steven, you got your finger up. What you got? Uh, I was just saying it's going to go up, man. It's not going down. <laughs> it's going up. Uh, you know, you look at Justin Herbert taking another step towards, you know, challenging for the MVP. I think, you know, Brandon Staley is, you know, give him going to give him as many opportunities as possible. So, I mean, it's generic, right? But Justin Herbert MVP talk, man, I think it's legitimate. I think he has all the goods. And I think when you're talking about these quarterbacks, right, like we're in this kind of era of like you have a bucket getter or you have like a game manager. Sure. And I think Justin Herbert, it really is like the perfect combination of both of those worlds. So, you know, I think for me, Justin Herbert, MVP talk, I start that train right now. And, um, you know, I can't wait to see it unfold. And I'll Correct. double down on that and talk about just the fact that the QB wins not being a thing after this season because Justin Herbert's going to smash all of those things this season. I mean, that's what I'm most smash looking forward button. to because I think with like Kyle had said, right? Like the biggest thing as far as stats, like I think the interceptions and things like that will go down. I think the gross numbers might go down a little bit too, just because of a more efficient, more well-rounded offense. But the biggest thing we don't talk about as far as the stats that win you an MVP is your win-loss record. You're not winning it at 9-8. and eight. You're just not. In the last 10 years, I think yeah. the worst quarterback to win it was the Matt Ryan 28-3 to three year, and I think they were 11-5 and five <laughs> on the Falcons that year with Kyle Shanahan running the show offensively for them. So I'm very much looking forward to Justin Herbert's MVP season. I think the team around him is going to help him, even if he doesn't get those raw numbers. And I'm excited to you know drink the tears of everyone that's crying about Brandon Staley going for it on fourth down i mean is there any of us against it or any of us the ones after the game being like what were you doing no i mean i think more i'm the one wearing a shirt that says fourth and staley on 100 percent. but like don't forget where we came from guys like how many times did you scream at the tv when it's mike mccoy or anthony lynn malibu mike doing i mean justin herbert's fourth first game fourth and one in overtime against the chiefs and you punt it back to Patrick Mahomes just for him to end your game because you're putting your defense back out there again. So I'm so excited to see Brandon Steely prove a lot of downers wrong. Justin Herbert proved that QB wins. If you want to count him as a stat, you can do it this year because Justin Herbert's going to have plenty of them in my mind, and he's going to have a lot of quality wins on that resume. Jake D. Hefner, we have things you can talk about most excited or least excited about. I'm usually the optimist. You're usually the pessimist. I'm curious to see where you go with this. I'll start off with what I'm least excited. There we go. I didn't know that was an option. I didn't know this was a thing. We got an interesting dynamic here, though. Yeah. Uh, Haglin, you'll probably appreciate this. When we get around to the time of final cuts in August, and we have to talk about, again, which roster spots are Easton Stick and Gabe Neighbors taking from other <laughs> players on, this, on these final oh, rosters? Maybe that's none. the thing I'm least excited, least excited. to hear. Uh, but most excited, 
I would probably say just the defense as a whole. You know, we looked at a year yeah. ago what Brandon Staley did to the offense, the offensive line, transforming that essentially in one year and how much it improved. And then look at what he does with all this cap room. Him and Tom Telesco go out and virtually transform this entire defense. Night and day, what is it going to look like with all of these new faces uh, and new places on this defense? Uh, I'm very excited though. about it. The director, the, Mr. Batman himself. What are you most or least excited about? Let's be real. We know you're going to go with most excited. Go ahead. I'm very predictable. I'm sorry. You can read me <laughs> like a book. You know, I'd be lying if I said I'm not most excited to see Justin Herbert. I think we all feel that way. I'm so freaking excited to see Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa paired up together. But one maybe that wasn't mentioned that I'm so stoked to see in person is Derwin James with this defense, man. Mm. You talk about the quarterback of the defense, Derwin James. This new look on offense is, or on defense is going to be tricky, right? We got a lot of new faces, a lot of new personnel. Uh, we already know the scheme is pretty complicated. Luckily, Derwin is a very strong leader, right? And he's going to play a huge part uh, in getting everybody ready uh, to adapt to what's about to happen. So I'm very excited to see what his leadership skills, what his talents. Uh, as an individual player, are meshing with the rest of these additions, dude. Derwin James, like uh, David said, Derwin James coming off the edge with Joey Bosa, Khalil Mack, you know, he's so malleable and so flexible that honestly watching him on defense could almost be as exciting as watching a skilled position player in offense because you just really never know what he's up to where he's lining up and what kind of impact he could have on any given play so Derwin James man number three uh, I'm pulling for that dude number three I wish you would have stuck at 33 though man uh, <laughs> how, many, how many of us have a 33 how many of us have a 33 jersey one two yeah. three four oh, how many of us have a three I don't know okay, there you go. <laughs> I think Too Steven, big to wear it's, it's a three jersey. The big, the big man, right? Because yeah. none of us want to wear a, a single do jersey. It doesn't, it doesn't hide enough. Just cover up one of the threes. You'll be fine. Derwin uh, James going downhill is like watching the animal planet. It's it's my favorite yeah. thing in football. Watching that dude decide to go and get somewhere and then actually be able to open field tackle, it's a work of art. I mean, chef's kiss on that one. For sure. I forget what game it was, but that that play last year or two years ago with him coming off the edge and just obliterating the quarterback in like three seconds. I forget. What about what Teddy was. Bridgewater last year? I mean, he. Yep. That was. <laughs> yeah, it looked illegal. Literally took like, him out of the like game. not even like illegal on the football field. Like that just looked like assault. Like that's assault. You just mugged him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, gentlemen, it has been a pleasure to have all of you guys. It has been so much fun. You guys did an excellent job. Let's go around the horn with what you guys are working on. Where folks can find you. Director, we'll start with you. What are you working on recently? Where can folks find you? Anything you want to tell the good people? Well, uh, right now I'm working on putting my feet up and enjoying the uh, the hype video that we just put out, man. Man, tons man. and tons of hours put into that hype video. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Thank that was you. awesome, man. Super worth it, man. I'm very happy with how it came out. And it's it's been awesome to see the hype starting to build, even you know with kickoff being so far away. So that's what we're working on, just continuing to build the hype. Um, I think if you guys are looking for something more specific, we are returning to what we call Sim Sundays really soon, where the magic and 100% and accuracy of Madden simulation can be found on Sundays as we discuss, you know, kind of get a, a sneak peek of what this new roster could look like. So, uh, and, and where can folks find you? Uh, just look up the director chargers on, uh, on YouTube and it anywhere. should be pretty easy from there. Yeah. yeah Search the it anywhere. You've, you've coined the director, <laughs> which says enough about you. We'll take it. Kyle. I said you've coined the director. 
Oh, there which you go. Is, okay, cool, yeah. Born, so it's like I Madonna, think, dude. He's just yeah. the director. <laughs> yeah. like it totally right. Nobody knows his name. It's just. <laughs> oh, I had to stop going. Uh, my my username on uh, Xbox is is the director, and I had to stop going online about a year ago because the moment uh, they saw my name go up, I had like any requests. Come play Madden. Let's go smack some Apex oh, Legend. No. There play you go. Offline. The director. Kyle Duggan, what are you and the fellows up to at Charger Chat Podcast? Where can folks find you? Yeah, we're just keep on keeping on. That's just what Charger fans do. So you can find us <laughs> uh, YouTube, Charger Chat Podcast. We're on Spotify, um, iTunes, all those platforms to get your podcasts. Um, on Twitter, I am Bolt Chat Coach, and we also have uh, the Charger Chat Podcast Twitter. So you can find us all over all over the place. Where can I just say, hang on? Can I just say really quick that your guys's latest episode and talking about the <laughs> the, the fan Dutch questions, <laughs> the Dutch ovens was the classic. Dutch ovens. Oh, Dutch ovens. Please, please explain. Check that out. Yeah, we do. We do a fan. Fo- we do like uh, fan questions that people submit. Bolt chat. Bolt questions. Um, and one of the one of them was, what was it? This there was a scenario that like you had to. Would you take a Dutch oven from every player on the team to win a Super Bowl? And my brother couldn't say 100%. yes fast enough. He yeah, couldn't yeah. do it. He couldn't say yes fast enough. He would oh, take it. Sure. Yeah. What do you think Mike Vrabel would do, dude? Come on. <laughs> yeah, sure, yeah. Oh, He's actually attracted to that, by the way. I, I don't believe him. He gets back all he wants. Yeah. <laughs> we're going we're to let Dan and David duke it out for who wants to talk about their show, but we'll start with Steven. Steven, guilty as charged, LAFB. Lots of stuff you're working on. Where can folks find you? What are you doing these days? Yeah, uh, I do, of course, uh, all the charge. I handle all the chargers riding at LAFB. So uh, follow us there. Uh, you guys are doing a, a great thing with uh, my guy, Zion Johnson, this weekend. So everybody go check that out. Um, the, the podcast, you can follow us at GC Podcast on any social media platform. Uh, we have a social media intern, Maddie Schmidt, who does a great job even on TikTok. So uh, if you're into TikTok, hit us up there. Uh, I have zero control in that. I, I hate TikTok, but uh, it's there if you want it. So, uh, yeah, you can find us on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, all that good stuff as well. Dan, David, fight for it. Who do you guys want to talk about? No fighting here. Go ahead, Dan. <laughs> okay. Um, well, we are the Daily Chargers podcast. Right now, we are down to three shows a week. And I, not that I don't love bringing you guys content every day, but let me tell you, thank you. Thank you for that. But yes. you can find Nothing us at summer. Locked On LAC just for one month. For, for for four weeks, I get a little bit of a a little bit of a relief there. But you can find us at Locked On LAC on Twitter. You can find David Drogmeyer on Twitter at DrotalkSC. You can find me on Twitter at Dan Talk Sports. We are also on YouTube. You can find the Locked On Chargers YouTube channel. Just hit 3K subscribers. Thank you to everyone who helped us do that. But thank you. You can also find us on Instagram at Locked On Chargers, something I also barely run as well as far as social media. Steven's trying to leave us all behind, all the old men trying to get on TikTok first. That's fine. <laughs> hey, man, I, had, I, had to, I had to pawn it off to somebody else. Man. Yeah, I'm no, not doing sure, it. For sure. Yeah, I mean, but anywhere, pretty much anywhere except for TikTok, you can find the Locked On Chargers <laughs> podcast. But we love doing it. And I mean, it's every day, but I mean, there's just so much. Couldn't pick a better year to want to talk about the Chargers every day because it seems like something's going on every single day. Jake, I will let you take us home. What are we doing? Well, what are we right doing? now? Just, just after hearing, too. after hearing, after hearing Wade talk about that a lot, I Dan, I would seriously consider uh, getting Wade on the payroll to talk about our ad reads because you know how much <laughs> I struggle with them, and just it just goes just seamlessly for Wade to hearing that stuff. So that was beautiful. <laughs> uh, but for Dan and I, uh, obviously, we have the event coming up this weekend with Zion Johnson, fifty fifty Slayers yeah. out in Pasadena from one to three. Make sure you guys check it out. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, other than that, Dan and I are just 
still here. We're still here. Just it's hard. You, it's it's hard to follow up the rest of the gentlemen uh, that have been so gracious enough to uh, come on this podcast with us. Um, everybody in the Chargers community, we just really just appreciate every single one of you. This has been phenomenal to get all of you guys together. Uh, appreciate every single one of you um, and to be part of this family. Who wants but, to give me my new my first new Thunder Alley experience? Which one of you guys is going to take me? Huh? I'm there every home game, so I can do it. All right, Dan. We've already I've already been to the stadium with you that one time, so it's uh, not right. quite cool. I thought <laughs> like everyone like, would be like, you know, I already did. Like, you know, hey, let me do it. Our, like our whole our whole podcast will be there week one. So if you come in for the Raider game, we'll show you around. For sure. I mean, there just wasn't a lot of activity once I said that. I mean, I thought there'd be a competition. You guys <laughs> start bartering, you know, start trading things. Dan thinks he's big it. time. <laughs> no, I haven't gone since. I mean, I used to go Thunder Alley's a, a lot more than just the last couple of years. I've been to Thunder Alley. I haven't been to the new SoFi Stadium Thunder Alley. So I'll go. be checking that out for the first time. Hopefully we can all meet up because I've met Dan in real life. I've met David like once in real life. And that's pretty much Wait, it. Wait, seriously? You guys have been podcasting We've met forever. three times. <laughs> three times. Three times. Dude, I used to do in Texas. in Australia, and we even met up. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, he lives in Texas. Don't go to Texas. I mean, that's, you got, the story. That's Don't go to Texas. What's yeah. your gas prices again? No, I'm just kidding. Oh, What's your plane <laughs> prices? For the only time you see me is you Super flying cheap. out here to see it. Yeah, <laughs> I will say, funny story. Last time Dan and I were at SoFi before the season started, we went and did the tour, and I legit almost like tore my ACL. I think I pulled my hamstring. I was like so out of shape trying to catch. I hope all bad. those videos are burned. By the way, oh, we have them. I yeah. have them. Oh no! Oh no! Delete. Break your yeah, I'm pretty sure that was the worst 40 time run. All right. The director, <laughs> Kyle Duggan, David Drogemeyer, Daniel Wade, Stephen Haglin, Jake Hefter, myself, Dan Wilkenstein. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. We've had so much fun. Gentlemen, thank you guys. And we'll talk to you next time on Chargers Unleashed.